0: It's uh, six minutes after eight here on AM Live. Thank you so much for staying with us throughout the morning. If you've just joined us, welcome to the show. Now, uh, this morning on the Forum at Eight, we are asking you, um, if we take a look at what has been happening in the AU of late, does Africa have the capacity to safeguard the human rights of the continent's people if we pull out of the International Criminal Court? And this is why. Newly elected uh, African Union Chairman uh, Zimbabwe's President Robert Mugabe has urged African leaders to boycott the International Criminal Court. He's urging the AU to instead uh, set up its own criminal court to deal with crimes against humanity. African leaders have long criticized the uh, the ICC for being biased against Africans. Shingai Nyoka compiled this report for us. Zimbabwe's President Robert Mugabe tackling The Hague
1: head-on. He's criticizing African leaders who continue to submit themselves to the court's authority. Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta and his deputy were recently cleared of crimes against humanity. Kenyatta was the first sitting head of state to appear before the court. He says, I'm disappointed with President Kenyatta for subjecting himself to the authority of a European court. I told him he mustn't return I to court. It's an embarrassment to his father, America, a founding father of African unity. Mm-hmm. Sudan President Omar al-Bashir has a warrant out on genocide charges. Countries such as South Africa, signatories to the ICC, have a duty to arrest him should he land on their soil. President Mugabe says the continent needs to change its operations to become more autonomous. In his year-long tenure, he wants to see the body wean itself from dependence on Western funding. <laughs>
2: your engine, the of development in
1: Africa. Following his election, Zimbabwe's veteran leader arrived home triumphant.
3: We expect a lot of things to change in Africa, and as a leader we are just depending on him that he's going to change a lot of things in the
1: President Mugabe will lead the African Union for the next year. Shingai Nyoka, SABC News, Harare, Zimbabwe.
0: And uh, we are joined on the line by Dr. Tim uh, Muratini, who is a senior analyst at the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation to help us unpack uh, this particular matter. Dr. Muratini, thanks so much for your time this morning.
4: Uh, Thank you very much and good morning to you and good morning to your listeners.
0: Now, Dr. Muratini, if we just look at what is currently happening, what uh, President Robert Mugabe, who is now the chair of the African Union, has said, and this coming hot on the heels of another initiative uh, that was proposed by the African uh, Union members to establish an African Court of Justice and Human Rights to handle African issues. Would we then uh, read into this that uh, indeed uh, there is a collective uh, thinking uh, at play here to actually withdraw African nations from the ICC.
4: Um, thank you. Um, well, I think we need to look at this issue from a number of different uh, perspectives. There is the political dimension and quite clearly Robert Mugabe who's had a, a long-standing, if you will, um, standoff with the West um, has a certain political agenda that he's driving uh, which is in fact to... Uh, prevent uh, what what is perceived as Western interference uh, in the internal affairs of the African continent um, so that's the political dimension so this could actually explain why Mugabe has taken this position and um, in support by the way of uh, Uhuru Kenyatta, President of Kenya who has been uh, pushing this agenda quite strongly at the most recent AU summit in Addis Ababa the legal perspective is, is much more complicated uh, and maybe we might get into that during the debate um, you, the, the African countries represent the largest grouping of assembly uh, in, within the assembly of state parties at the International Criminal Court, um, and so it's it's much more a comp- complex in terms of whether they can pull out wholesale. There's a, quite a number of uh, very uh, you know I- intermediary steps that individual countries have to take to uh, to in fact mm. pull out of the rome statute including perhaps going back to their own parliaments to get some kind of agreement on on, on that matter so i think we should read initially a political agenda and then um the, the legal processes become much more complex as as we go along but i think um perhaps in a nutshell is to say that uh, the icc is essentially in this instance being used as a as a political football by all the players uh, involved and i and i hope we will be able to bring in United Nations Security Council and the United States, uh, who have also, and Israel, who have also adopted certain positions uh, on the International Criminal Court.
0: Mm. And one of the criticisms that has been leveled is that you know you find African uh, countries, as you clearly pointed out, ratifying these treaties, and yet the more powerful nations uh, do not seem to pin their names to it. Yes, this is in
4: fact what happened. Uh, let me perhaps also preface this conversation by saying that the International Criminal Court is is quite a tremendous, a human achievement. Uh, if we unpack it, essentially, is a court that will try uh, state actors, uh, you know, individuals who are most responsible for serious war crimes, going back, if we think to the to the Second World War and the Holocaust against the Jews. Uh, we fast forward to the Rwanda genocide in '94. We look at the Srebrenica genocide in, in, in the Balkans, uh, the Serbs against the Muslim Muslims. It is, it's the first attempt to put in place an institution that can, in fact, try um, these individuals, these state actors, and bring them uh, to book uh, and therefore put in place a system of accountability. Um, so it is, a, it, is a, it is a tremendous achievement for, 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 for humanity. The problem, in fact, came in uh, when it began to be corrupted precisely by the politics and the international politics that certain governments uh, have have kind of, you know, um, played with the court. So uh, the African, as I mentioned, the African governments are the largest grouping. Um, They did sign up. um, Interestingly enough, the United States government also signed the Rome Treaty, uh, which was which was debated from 98 and eventually ratified in 2002, but then subsequently, through a decision by the U.S. Senate, the U.N. the U.S. in fact, unsigned the Rome Treaty, which is which is almost unheard of. Um, and so there, you already see the United States pulling back from its initial commitment, and the alarm bells, I think, begin to go off at that stage, and and, and gradually we see an attempt by powerful countries to, in fact, shield themselves from any sort of jurisdiction of the international court, and neither the Russia, China, uh, India are members of the court. The the United Kingdom and France are. uh, uh, And so we see that the the perception within Africa, and it's a perception perception problem, is that if these powerful countries are not subjecting themselves to the jurisdiction of this court, then why should we subject ourselves to, to the jurisdiction of this court? And as we stand, all of the cases uh, currently being prosecuted by the court are emanate from the African continent. It essentially means that all the individuals who have been prosecuted, two cases have been ruled upon uh, and, and, and rulings issued, uh, are all African. Uh, and then that immediately begins to, again, fuel this perception uh, that this is a very selective court, there is selective justice at play. Uh, and on an on a even more pronounced level, perhaps there's an institutionalized form of global racism taking place uh, in terms of uh, why is it only Africans who are being uh, subjected to this court, when we know there are crimes being committed, for example, Sri Lanka in 2009, Colombia, uh, not to mention Palestine, Israel, which was only less than two years ago that we had uh, the, the huge conflict taking place there. So these are the issues, and they're quite, uh, they're serious issues, mm-hmm. and it's important not to be um, kind of um, too uh, fundamentalist one way or the other and to see that there are very complicated issues at play here. And so there's not really a right or a wrong answer. There is a a, a cohort uh, on the one side, the legal prism, which argues that African governments should subject to submit themselves to this court. It, it's, they signed up to it. They've even referred, uh, you know, their own... Um, um, uh, countrymen to the court, uh, uh, and on the other side, there is a critique that: uh, well, if this court is not for everybody, then is it really a credible court? Is there any legitimacy to, to a court that, in fact, only targets one individual, one side of one side of the uh, one side of uh, one power balance uh, mm. will, between between the between countries?
0: Now, what would be the impact if uh, the African member states decided to withdraw from the ICC?
4: Well, they're not quite there yet, but that would be quite a significant uh, shift in the entire paradigm of international criminal justice. As I mentioned, all the cases currently at the International Criminal Court that are being investigated and have been prosecuted are African. They are what are called uh, preliminary investigations and there are a number of other countries that are are subject to this, including the Palestine-Israel situation, Colombia. Uh, Even even the British government has been subjected to this preliminary kind of investigation due to its uh, activities in the Iraq war. Um, If the African countries were to pull out uh, of the International Criminal Court or the Rome Statute, which would be more specific, because it is signing up to the Rome Statute that actually places you under the jurisdiction of the International Criminal Court, then it would be a... Significant um, shift in terms of the perception. The the court would essentially have it would continue to be able to prosecute the cases it currently has, but unless it opened up new cases um, or the Security Council referred additional cases to it, uh, the the African uh, position would would expose it, uh, and I think it would probably begin to undermine the entire edifice of the International uh, Criminal Court uh, and It would be a step back for international criminal justice, Um, but there's a wider debate there as to why that would happen and the inability of the court to engage effectively with African governments on the criticisms Mm. that they have have raised about the court.
0: It would be be quite
4: a major thing, but I think we're quite far from that because, as I mentioned, the processes are quite complex of pulling out. It's not simply Mm. issuing a fiat um, and and then pulling out. It's it's quite a a, a laborious process of, of going about doing so.
0: The other issue is, of course, uh, what would then happen? We've been hearing African leaders talk about African solutions for African problems. But is Africa, through uh, the AU, able to actually deal with its own problems and hold its own leaders accountable?
4: Well, this is again the second front of the debate that has been opened. The African Court of uh, Justice and Human Rights, uh, based in Arusha, um currently does not have the jurisdiction to try the crimes which are stipulated under the Rome Statute, which is war crimes, crimes against humanity, genocide, and the crime of aggression. But the African leaders have in fact begun a process that will provide the uh, African court with these very powers, And, and at that stage they could then make the argument that there is Uh, no longer a need uh, for the ICC to try cases on the African continent. Um, And by the way, the the establishment of the African court would not impact on any of the current cases within the ICC. Those would continue, uh, and the ICC could carry on doing its work. Um, But the point is that the African governments and leaders would then be able to say, well, we have our own system here, uh, we're going to use uh, that instead of uh, referring our colleagues to the ICC. Um, there is the issue of uh, the the politics uh, of establishing such a a, uh, a jurisdiction and and essentially what has happened is this is is to a large extent a political move, a continental political move, a pan-African political move to bypass uh, the jurisdiction of the ICC. Uh, it is evident that the heads of state are also uh, in the process of uh, face-saving and preventing their peers from being tried by the ICC, and they have stipulated within the what is called the Malabo Protocol a, a, a provision that is provides heads of state with immunity from prosecution for these crimes that I've mentioned before, war crimes, crimes against humanity, um, genocide, and the crime of aggression. Um, and so you can immediately begin to see that the African court would not then prosecute any heads of state. And this has been one of the biggest, if you will, gripes that the African uh, leaders have had against the, the ICC, um, that ha- sitting heads of state should not be tried because of the the complexities that would, in fact, uh, arise from having to govern a country and and also participating in a Hague tribunal simultaneously. So look, there's no easy answer to these issues, and and I think it's important uh, for us to always have a very nuanced uh, understanding um, of of what's unfolding and what's happening. Um, And from different perspectives, you know, one can, in fact, make uh, a whole range of very different uh, arguments.
0: And of course, we are talking about the ICC newly appointed African Union chairperson, uh, President Robert Mugabe of Zimbabwe, says that Africa must pull out of the International Criminal Court. And we are asking you this morning, does Africa have the capacity to safeguard the human rights of the continent's people if we pull out of the International Criminal Court? Our guest this morning, Dr. Tim Muratini, Senior Analyst at the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation. What are your views? Lines are open. 089. Nine one one zero four two zero eight. sms us on three four seven zero one you can also tweet or facebook at sakina kamwendo or at am live on safm richard is calling us from khabarone in botswana good morning
2: uh, good morning mama sakina kamwendo uh, my point is clear it's simple i mean we look at the record of uh, mr mugabe himself i mean it, it says long how can you as a president uh, there's alleged that you kill more than 20,000 people in matabeleland you crush your opponents and then you want to be uh, a, you want to institute that court it doesn't make sense so justice in africa except maybe in south africa and countries like namibia Botswana doesn't really exist all those leaders they take the justice system to crush their opponents and it won't work you take president Kabila. Who has killed more than 40 people? Were manifesting against him, extending his stay at the at the states for Kobo for a third mandate. So how can you have somebody like that being in presiding a court with Mugabe? I just like to remind you that Kabila is the vice of Mugabe in that African Union. So let African leaders go to the criminal court, International Criminal Court because the justice system is manipulated by the politicians who want to stay in power forever. That but before
0: point. I let you go, Richard, what do you make of the point, as uh, Dr. Muratini was also pointing out, um, what do you make of the fact that in its 11-year history, the International Criminal Court has prosecuted only Africans?
2: Because the most powerful nations, uh, the, 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 the they kill like the Americans, they kill people outside the country. They don't kill their own citizens. We kill our own citizens. All because right. it doesn't kill people in America, He kills people in Africa.
0: And, of course, they're also not, uh, you know, uh, bound by the ICC rules, and uh, therefore... Okay, Richard, thank you so much. We'll get uh, Dr. Muratini to respond to that. Uh, Mutala, you're in Durban. Good morning.
5: Morning, ma'am. How are you? Well, and you? Fine. Now, unfortunately, these... World organizations like the United Nations organization and the others are not democratic. In the Security Council of the United Nations, six nations decide and veto anything, even if the General Assembly, for all the people of the world, for example, in South Africa, when they decided in the 1970s to boycott the apartheid regime, you know who vetoed it? United States of America and... Britain, and France in the Security Council. Now, the Security Council is made up of five European nations, and the other one, Asian, is China. No African country is represented in the Security of Council, and yet that the Council decides everything. So the major powers controlling the world, using that, and suppressing the, mainly the African and others, who do not agree with whatever they want to do.
0: All right, that's Mutala in Durban. Vinny, you're calling from Cape Town. Good morning. Good morning.
4: Um, I, I think it's an interesting debate, but I think that uh, a few things have been left uns which are relevant to the debate, one of which is that the only way cases get brought before the ICC are through self-referral, UN referral, or ICC prosecution. And a lot of the African cases have either been self-referrals or, or UN referrals, um, and I think there's only one case, the Kenya case, which was which was actively prosecuted by by uh, Ocampo from from ICC. So to say that the ICC is picking on Africa when a lot of the cases have been self-referred or or through the UN is is a bit disingenuous, and I think the the debate needs to reflect that.
0: All right. Uh, thank you so much for that, uh, Vinny, Dr. Marutini.
4: Yes, yeah, thank you. I can respond to that uh, last point. In, in fact, the United Nations is uh, right. The United Nations Security Council, through Article, uh, through, uh, through Article Sixteen, can refer cases to the International Criminal Court, uh, and the, uh, the second process is a self-referral by the actual governments themselves. And the third uh, process is a, uh, a referral by the prosecutor of the of the court, what uh, is referred to as the proprio mutu uh, powers of the prosecutor, um, uh, a Latin uh, phrase. What the last speaker did not mention was, in fact, there are two cases that the prosecutor has uh, selected upon, um, and we should be talking about the previous prosecutor, Luis Moreno Acampo, not the current prosecutor, uh, Fatou Ben Souda. And those two cases were Kenya and Côte d'Ivoire. And the United Nations Security Council referrals uh, were uh, Sudan, the President Omar al-Bashir of Sudan, and uh, the late um, Muammar Gaddafi of Libya. Um, And then the self-referrals, another four of them is a government, essentially, within the African continent, uh, uh, referring um, cases to... Uh, the ICC. Now, if we unpack each one of those cases where governments have referred uh, individuals to the ICC, what immediately becomes clear is that these heads of state who have referred uh, certain individuals to the ICC are referring their political opponents or armed militia leaders who are against their governments, um, and they're not referring their own military leaders, their own generals to the ICC. So there, the element of uh, hypocrisy again comes in, uh, as domestic political actors within Africa are equally willing uh, to use the ICC as an instrument and a tool, uh, in fact, to to control, to discipline uh, their political and military opponents. And I think uh, Richard's point from Gaborone, uh was very point, very very poignant. He said that. The justice system is being manipulated by politicians, and therefore he feels that Bashir and, and Kabila and Mugabe should go to the ICC for prosecution. Now, uh, precisely the same mm-hmm. thing is happening uh, at a global level. Uh, global uh, Powerful global actors are manipulating the International Criminal Court to, in fact, uh, target uh, individuals, um, that they uh, would like to see uh, how otherwise constrained within the legal process um, as I mentioned the United Nations Security Council has five power- permanent members the United States China, Russia, France and, and the United Kingdom and they have referred al-Bashir of Sudan and the Gaddafi of Libya but they have uh, singularly failed to refer uh, Bashar al-Assad of Syria in Syria to the ICC, even though in 2013 there, were, there was evidence uh, and allegations of the use of chemical weapons uh, against armed militia that he is currently fighting against in that war which has been going on for a very long time. So what we see is politics playing itself out at the Security Council, the United Nations Security Council, in terms of what should be uh, strictly a judicial uh, process and legal criteria being used. Um and so the picture that finally emerges, uh, and also that means that the victims in Syria uh, are not going to get ICC uh, justice and due process through the international Criminal Court. Um, but the picture that emerged begins to emerge is that all of these actors, the United Nations Security Council, the governments within the African continent, and even the prosecutor of the International Criminal Court, are in fact, Involved in some kind of political uh, calculation in terms of uh, the cases that we ultimately see uh, taking place uh, at the ICC. So I think, I think, as I said, there is no black and white on this issue, and it will be, it will be, it will be very wrong for one person to think there is um, uh, either a right or a wrong answer to this issue. We really need to have a very uh, nuanced uh, debate, and I think it's important to also bring in the element uh, of. Prosecution within uh, the context of conflict
0: okay. um,
4: immediately impacts on the prospects for building peace and reconciliation because the, the people you would send to the court are the same people that you need to sign a peace agreement and hold and, and, and hold up to that and, and, and remain committed to that peace agreement. And if we apply the uh, issue of prosecution versus peace building and reconciliation to the South African case, the masterminds of the apartheid regime would have ended up at the Hague, at the criminal court, because within the Rome Statute, there is a provision that now apartheid is a crime against humanity.
0: Okay, Dr. Martini? Uh, and
4: therefore, the South African experiment uh, let me, let
0: me stop you would then. not have
4: taken place if the ICC existed, uh, because uh, you would have not only Eugene de Kock, but all the masterminds within the, the
0: National Party who who conceived and conceptualized the apartheid system they would also be. Dr. and I want you to take that point further after the news break, so please just hold on to that.
3: The Forum at 8 on SAFM
0: thanks for tuning in to the Forum at 8 this morning we are asking does Africa have the capacity to safeguard the human rights of the continent's people if we pull out of the International Criminal Court and love to hear your views this morning Dr. Tim Muratini who is a senior analyst at the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation is our guest this morning before I go back to the lines they are open by the way 0891 104208 I just want to run through some of the messages coming through here this morning Um Mzet1 says we have dictators, uh, then the West takes advantage of uh, us by bullying Africa because of these dictators. Localist Lekker says, I fully agree with Robert Mugabe. ICC is only created for Africans, so we must create our own court to solve our own issues. Spiwo KZN says, uh, AU is not ready to stand on its own. It takes uh, uh, doctors without borders and the UN to fight wars, diseases and hunger in Africa. Kuba Gumbi Dlamini says, Law is politics by other means. Don't you think that the IEC is used by the West to deal with progressive African leaders? Kulu SD, um, in as much as the West manipulates the ICC for its own selfish ends, the AU must be wary of Mugabe's suggestion to pull out. Bims McPhair says, I don't think Africa is prudent enough to pull out of the ICC. Maybe Africa in the next 25 years, but not now. And Malcolm II says, the ICC is good for African leaders since it's clear that they don't want to embrace democracy. Look at Swaziland. It's a one-man show. So those are some of your comments coming through. Please keep sending them. 34701 is the SMS line. Tweet or Facebook at AMLive on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. Let's go back to the lines now. 0891 Clayson Monella is calling in. Good morning, Clayson.
3: Good morning, Sakina. Um, just a little bit, uh, disclaimer. These are my views. Firstly, um I think your question is wrongly phrased because in your question there is an inherent assumption that Africans are less capacitated uh, than other uh, people, maybe their Western counterparts. When you say does Africa have the capacity to safeguard uh, safeguard human rights on the continent, it's problematic. Uh, I would have asked uh, the question differently and said, because Africa already has a court, by the way. We don't need to create another court uh, to handle uh, what uh, the ICC handles. There is an African court on human and people's rights based in Arusha uh, already existing. In fact, one of our former um, um, uh, high court uh, judges, uh, Justice uh, Mwepe, is part of this court. He's one of the 11 judges there, or at least the last time I checked. So I would have asked, does the African Court of human and people's rights have the capacity to handle similar cases to what the ICC does. If not, what needs to be done for it to be capacitated to do that? Because what is happening in the world currently is that African leaders have uh, analyzed that there is a tendency uh, for the ICC to be biased towards uh, Africans in particular. If you go back, what happened in Iraq? People went there, invaded, looking for things that didn't exist. A lot of people were, were killed in Iraq. Nobody was held liable by the ICC. Nobody screamed because certain countries are theft to demand that Africans should go to the ICC when they themselves are not signatories uh, to the ICC Rome Statutes. Therefore, when their leaders do whatever they like in the world, in violation of the international law, nobody has, uh, holds them to account. But if it's an African, they are the first to scream, you must go to the ICC. So but then I the question is, Jason
0: why yeah, then do African leaders always rush to sign these treaties?
3: No, it's a very good question, which is why a... Um, I am African Union um, summit, extraordinary summit that convened to deal with the issue of Kenya and its leadership uh, being requested to go to the ICC resolved amongst others that the African Court of Human and People's Rights must be capacitated to handle all the cases that are currently held by the ICC. In other words, this would mean there is no more need for Africans to refer cases to the ICC but to this African Court. This is why you've had the current chairman of the African Union, President Mugabe, saying, we should no longer be going to the ICC, but have Africans... Uh, dealing with cases affecting Africans, I would certainly
0: support. Which that. cases are currently before that African court that you talk about?
3: No, this is the issue that I was referring to when I said the African Union Extraordinary Summit. One of the issues that was debated was that this court needs to be capacitated for it to be able to deal with cases like human rights abuses, all the cases that uh, currently are being referred to the ICC. I think that should be the route to go because Africans are capable of safeguarding human rights abuses on the African continent. There is nothing stopping us. It's about how do you capacitate that court to deal with this.
0: All right. That's Clayson Moniela with his personal views on this matter this morning. Let's go to Hassan Logat in Johannesburg. Good morning, Hassan.
5: Hi. Sakina, for me, the basic principle of justice is that all those who administer justice or meet our justice must be party to the process. And this is the biggest problem yeah, is that the United States and the powerful countries choose to be in some processes where they judge over others, but not where they judge over themselves. I mean, the United States was party to the discussion around the Rome Statute, watered it down, looked for various ways, and then simply resort to United States exceptionalism where its soldiers, its political leaders and others cannot be judged. And I think that's the big problem. The secondary problem would be whether our leaders would be able to... to to subject themselves to such a process anyhow. But I think that the African leaders have a very, very good point. It doesn't mean that they are ethical,
2: but they have a good point.
0: All right, that's Hassan Logat in Joburg. Faisal, you're calling from Mayfair. Good morning.
6: Hi, good morning, uh, Sakina. Yes, uh, Faisal. Yes, okay, Sakina, what I want to say is that one, well, you should always uh, look at the ICC and other other worldwide agencies, even the United Nations, as, as the development uh, agencies, Developing in the, in, the, in the course of history, I mean, I'm the optimist that that, that the ICC and the United Nations will arrive at rules for, for all nations that that, that 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 is equal to all nations. And, and and once once you start rejecting the idea of ICC as, as a as a worldwide representation of the rule of law, then what are what are what are we as African uh, Africans going to resort to? Uh, why don't we uh, even say that if we want to have our own United uh, African Court, then we might as well uh, we might as well uh, leave the United Nations as well. And I fi- I find this, this, this that, that particular idea absurd. Uh, uh, you know, if if we intend to have rules that going to be uh, implemented uh, worldwide, then it's our duty to be able to uh, to. To, to help the
4: institution achieve
0: those particular goals. All right. Thank you so much, Faisal and Mayfair. Um, Dr. Muratini, your uh, response to what has been raised?
4: Thank you. Uh, I think I, I would like to start uh, with the two questions you've been putting onto the table. The first one is whether the African countries uh, have the capacity um, to protect human rights. And the second is whether why do African countries sign these treaties? Very quickly on the first one, um, I think as, as, as Clayton mentioned, in fact, the, the challenge at this moment is to, the phrase, the word he uses is capacitate, but essentially what's happening is the African court is being given the jurisdiction, uh, as I mentioned before, to try these cases. So the, the answer to the capacity question would be resolved as soon as the court had uh, those powers with the proviso, as I mentioned, that heads of state would not be subject to uh, prosecution, which in many people's eyes raises questions about uh, such a a framework. Um, There is an African Commission of Human Peoples Rights in in Banjul, in Gambia, which has uh, taken on board uh, lots of issues, cases submitted to it by state parties, by regional actors. There are also regional tribunals within Africa. Um, The SADC one perhaps is closest to South Africa, which also got mired in politics. Uh, ECOWAS has a tribunal in the Western African region. East African uh, court exists in the Eastern African region. Um, In addition, at a domestic level, nation states have, some nation states have domesticated uh, international, um, if you will, uh, crime legislation. Uh, For example, in Uganda, Uganda, there's an international crime division. Kenya has also domesticated, uh, international, which means that at a national level they can actually prosecute, uh, uh, y- you know, uh, cases where mass atrocities have happened. Very quickly on the question. Second question, why do African countries sign these treaties? I think it's very important to provide some historical context. In 1998, when this was being debated uh, in the United Nations Conference in Rome, uh, there was a, a, a really a very strong spirit of, of, uh, of, of positivity, of positivity, this is a shift uh, for humanity this is the first time we'll be able to have a, an international institution that can prosecute uh, those who are most responsible for crimes against humanity war crimes so on and so forth uh, given the experiences that i mentioned of rwanda srebrenica and the the, the second world war um, so at that point in time i believe there was uh, there was there was a there was a positive uh, willingness to uh, to support this initiative and by the way, the debates were quite... Uh, there was a lot sort of brinksmanship that took place in those deliberations in Rome uh, in 1998, in leading up to the signing of it. Certain countries were prepared to torpedo the whole thing. As I mentioned, the United States was for it and even signed it and then pulled out subsequently. That's when the corruption of the international criminal justice system began, uh, I would actually argue. Um, when powerful countries are not subjected to a system, why should why should uh, weaker, so to speak, middle powers subject themselves to the system. Very quickly on Mugabe, I think we should not get too caught caught up on on Mugabe being the one putting this issue on the agenda. In fact, it has been on the agenda for a while. South Sudan has put it uh, uh, in the corridors of the African Union summit previously. The Kenyan president, uh, Uhuru Kineta, who went through a very personal process of actually going to The Hague and sitting in the dock, uh, and his case has subsequently been dropped by the ICC for lack of Evidence or what the prosecutors argued as ob- obfuscation and obstruction by the Kenyan government uh, has also called for the uh, African countries to pull out of the of the ICC. So, I, you know, and I think we need to be a little bit more nuanced in our debate. It's it, as I keep saying, it's not really an either or. It's, it's it's quite a complex set of issues that we have to always be unpacking and, and engaging with.
0: Thank you. Well, uh, just a few more messages uh, before we go back to the lines. In fact, I think we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'll read those messages and we'll take uh, the callers on the line 891 That's the number to dial.
3: The Forum at 8 on SAFM.
0: Nine minutes to go before the top of the hour and we are talking about the ICC this morning, asking you um, on the forum at 8, does Africa have the capacity to safeguard the human rights of the continent's people if we pull out of the International Criminal Court? Clayson Moniela called earlier and um, said he disagreed with that question, but I see quite a few of you disagreeing with Clayson saying there's nothing wrong with the question the, the, the question is spot on so uh, you are giving us your views on this matter this morning. Let's run to some of the messages here. John says, uh, Good day. Africa will always go backwards. There's no upgrades of roads, infrastructure. The leaders are only uh, uh, filling their own bank accounts with wealth and more wealth. And um, then a few others also. I'll come back to them. Let me just get the calls out of the way. Mike in Newlands, good morning.
3: Good morning, SK and good morning to your guests in the studio. I I remember a case and I'd love to comment on it. They made a film of it. It was a very powerful film about a farmer whose name uh, I think was Etheridge's, and uh, Etheridge's. and he took the, uh, He went to this court set up by Sadak that was resided in Namibia. Uh, the judge there uh, ruled in favor of this farmer and that the farm may not be taken in a land grab. Um, this was then defied by uh, Mugabe and, and his government, and I think uh, I'll quote the one guy here, the Didimus Matos, who said, Uh, And I quote him here, he says, the judges were daydreaming if they thought Zimbabwe would heed the ruling. And it's for that reason I don't believe that Africa is in a position to judge on itself. It would have to be out the country because I think too many leaders would have political influence in the courts. and, And I think ultimately nothing would be achieved. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Mike. Floyd in Pretoria. Good morning.
3: Hi, how are you? Well, and you? I'm good.
2: Uh, actually, just to, wanted to, to, to add on the previous speaker because I, I wanted to comment about that. But the problem with most of African states is that we uh, they tend to be notorious of not uh, implementing the decisions which has been taken by their own cause. Then in this instance, uh, as the previous caller has indicated that our own side the took the decision which was not uh, uh, in favor of the uh, uh, Zimbabwe government, but it was not implement, uh, implemented, uh, then as such... Our own processes become toothless because we cannot uh, uh, uh he did the very same decisions which is uh, 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 taken by uh, uh the courts which we, we ourselves as Africans create
0: mm. okay. Thank you so much for that contribution, uh, Floyd, and I'll get uh, Dr. Muratini to respond. But let me read some of the messages that you have sent. Um, JP says Mugabe wants to save his own skin. Uh, Carol also on Robert Mugabe says, uh, "Is his slate clean?" I think not. Arafat in Cape Town says, "This is another sign proving that our dictators have run out of good ideas." Pulling out of the ICC is the African People's Court working, and that's from Arafat in Cape Town. And this one unsigned says, "I agree. It's tricky. We need." the IEC, but we should move it to Africa. Um, Serge Baruti says, uh, just three points. Before Africans may think of pulling out of the ICC, they should think of creating a similar court in Africa for Africans. Yes, the idea of creating African Parliament will contribute a lot to resolve such issues in our continent. And why all United Nations headquarters are only in Europe or North America? None of them are in Africa, Asia, or South America. And then Richard in Pretoria says, uh, Milosevic, was not African was he um, this one here says no no this is an idea of an old man Rob Mugabe to protect himself from criminal offences in Bloemfontein says African leaders cannot solve their problems without international help Christie's contribution crystal clear Mugabe is making sure that he saves his own skin and this one says a non-African tried during uh, last 11 uh, years President Milosevic for genocide against Muslims in uh, Serbia and and then um, the self-serving statement, Mugabe wants to protect himself from any future appearance at The Hague. Um, Mugabe is a liberator who turned to be a predator. And Peter Litsualo in Cape Town says, pulling out is not the solution. Working together towards the benefits of all seems rather logical. And Tate Nakasi says, why did the Western countries refer the apartheid regime to the ICC, yet the Germans were? Uh, were not. Uh, They are still being hunted even today. That's from Ndate Nakasi in Tswane. Well, one of the things that's also coming through here, Dr. Murutini, is that from our listeners it would seem that perhaps Africans don't have much faith in African leaders actually coming up with plausible solutions in this regard.
4: The situation is not unique to Africa. I think uh, if you look around the world, you look into Europe, uh, you look into North America, Asia, Southeast Asia, a lot of uh, citizens do not have faith in their leaders. Uh, Let's talk about a global leadership. The United States of America really is the most powerful country uh, on the planet, has the military financial economic might to make certain strides. And um, the case of Palestine. Palestine became a member of the General Assembly of the United Nations, subsequently signed up to the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court, and the United States began to rain hellfire and brimstone on the ICC. Uh, In addition, uh, Israel as well, as well as Canada, because the prosecutor of the ICC has opened up a preliminary investigation into the Israel-Palestine conflict that took place. And what's happening there, these powerful countries, U.S., Canada, Israel, are saying they do not want their leaders, their military personnel, to be subjected to the jurisdiction of the ICC. And I think it's very important to watch that, and might, that might be a uh, topic for a future mm. program, uh, the extent to which the United States is driving this now campaign against the ICC. Uh, and in fact, what you see, all the arguments that are being used by so-called African leaders are now being used by the U.S., Israel, and surprisingly Canada, which is supposed to be a bastion of, of liberal ideas. Um, And let me just then add to that the solution going forward. The international criminal justice system is not going to work, in fact, without a fundamental root and branch transformation of the United Nations system and the United Nations Security Council. Uh, And so when people see the mountain that has to be climbed to, in fact, get to a place in the future where the world has an international criminal justice system that applies to all, not only Africans, we're talking American personnel, Israeli personnel, Canadian personnel, British, French personnel, uh, Chinese and Russian as well. Only um, at that point in time can we really uh, feel comfortable and, and, and recognize uh, an institution that has credibility and legitimacy in the eyes of all. And until we get to that point, and until in fact we begin to engage with this uh, United Nations Security Council transformation. Reform is in fact not going to work. Uh, We will not have an international criminal justice system that works um, for all and I think it's actually an important element of the work of international uh, lawyers, international jurists and scholars to actually apply their minds to how we are going to transform the United Nations Security Council, the entire United Nations system to the advantage of, uh, of human beings. Uh, human dignity ultimately is always our objective. So the rights of Palestinians, the rights of Syrians, the rights of Colombians, Iraqis and Afghanistanis are equally uh, upheld and respected as the rights of Africans. So this is uh, it's, it's, it's the tendency to want to, uh, if you will, isolate uh, the debate within Africa. But this is really a much larger debate about how uh, do we want the world in the future to deal with these which are mass atrocities Uh, that are taking place and will continue to take place until we actually change that system in a fundamental way.
0: Dr. Muratini, thank you so much for your time this morning. Dr. Tim Muratini, Senior Analyst at the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation. And, of course, uh, you know, that's all we have time for this morning. You will make up your own mind in this regard, whether you think it's a good idea or not. Just want to reiterate a thought that many of you have brought up this morning uh, via Tabo's tweet. Uh, Tabo says, my biggest disappointment with my African continent is the prolonged stay in positions of leadership, especially that of President and Martin Musungo says, I'm yet to see one leader who hasn't or is not committing crimes against humanity wish people had power to try uh, their best to be better leaders. Those are some of your thoughts and I thank you as always for participating so fantastically and of course to the production team for making sure it all went swimmingly. It's nine o'clock and time for news with Vabakhshni Chetty Miller.